The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie. Well, my first guest this morning put a call out last week to try and reach 10,000 followers on our Instagram account. It wasn't for the freebies or the swipe ups. No, Trina Cleary had a very definite plan on what she would do with the power of having an audience of over 10,000 people to hear her story. And Trina's here today. And it's a welcome back to you, Trina. It's lovely to see you again. Thank you, and you. I have to say, you're someone who's always on my mind. I think it's because I follow you on Instagram anyway, and you're a prolific Instagrammer. But when we met, um, I think it was last October, yeah. you had great news and a story that I think we all related to in the fear of finding a lump or something that's not, uh, that's quite foreign to your body. And the fact that you took a really long time to go to the doctors. Will you take us back to that just for a few minutes? Yeah, so my story, I suppose, started in February 2018 when I found a very small lump in my left breast, which I ignored because I was naive. I thought I was too young for anything sinister, Um, ignored it for six months. Um, So it was October when I went to my GP. Also thought, oh, you're, you know, you're too young or whatever, you know, um, for it to be anything sinister. It's probably just a cyst, but let's get you checked anyway. I um, waited about 10 weeks then and got my appointment with uh, the breast clinic. And on that day, on the 17th of October, they diagnosed me with breast cancer, um, which then led into obviously treatment starting in November. Um, November was chemo. Uh, April was a lumpectomy, which was unsuccessful. And then I had I opted for a mastectomy with no reconstruction. Um, and they told me that, yeah, we got it all. You're all clear. So, you know, most people would celebrate Um, Mm -hmm. I celebrated, but felt a bit, I don't know, like I shouldn't be celebrating because I hadn't been scanned. So how did they know they'd got it all? Um, And I suppose it was always a fear that it would come back. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I suppose that leads us up to now where, yeah, it has come back. So June 2019, you were cancer free. I think you chatted to me in October um, around Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah, that's right. Um, You were very much about highlighting the fact that if you find something that isn't normal to you, go and get it checked out. Um, And... You know, things have been plodding along quite well. You've talked a bit about having migraines on your Instagram stories and then some pain as well. And then I suppose the news that everyone dreads when they get a cancer free, um, not even diagnosis, but when they're told they're cancer free, came back that your cancer was back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what happened there? So you had this pain. Yeah. So shortly after I finished chemo in March, um, I had this constant pain in my thigh and it wasn't that I'd been exercising and pulled something that was deep in my leg. So I knew that it was something more than just a pulled muscle or something. Um, my oncologist is so good. If I said I had a pain in my finger, he'd get me scanned. So he got me scanned, um, nothing showed up. So I was like, okay, it's just, it is what it is. I'll carry on, went back training, everything. Um, kind of got as much of my life back as I could. Um, went back to work and everything. And kind of February this year, I started feeling a pain in my neck. Kind of just behind my ear, it's called your C-spine. Um, and I just went to my GP. He said, oh, you've pulled something. It sounds muscular. Let's mm-hmm. treat you for that. So that was fine. And then because of COVID, my um, my appointment with my oncologist had to be done over the phone. And I just happened to say to him, oh, yeah, I haven't been able to work out. And he's like, oh, how come? Like, so I said about my neck and he said, right, let's get you scanned. Um, so he had me scanned um, a couple of days later. And then the next day after my scan, he was able to tell me that it ha- had actually spread from my C-spine, two places in my spine, my femur and my hip as well. And what was that like? Um, like I said, I kind of half expected it. Mm. But at the same time, I was, I felt a little bit let down 
because it was a pain that I had felt for so long mm. and you know it's not anybody's fault nothing showed up on the scan but I did feel let down felt angry I, that I never made it to my year remission I just felt like it wasn't fair and obviously I was just upset like you know mm. to, that this is something it took a while for it to kind of hit me that this is something that's not ever going to go away whereas on my last journey I always had that end date right this is when it's going to be all over and we can celebrate and, and then you can try to get to that five years of yeah. completely all clear yeah. no more scans so what does this mean now you are living with cancer living with cancer for yeah. the rest of your life yeah yeah okay and what does that mean for you like can you explain that to us because um, I suppose we all know the soap opera um, you know, when it when it's highlighted on programs and things, it's very stark and short lived. But you can live with this. Oh, yeah. Like I said, the, one of the first questions I asked was like, what's the prognosis? And he said, oh, years like, you know, it's brilliant, you know, so that was a bit of a relief. I mean, it's always going to be in the back of my head. How long do I have, you know? But he said it's going to be years. So I'm going to put my trust in him and say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm too stubborn to go anywhere. I'd be afraid I'd miss something anyway. <laughs> and um, are you now at that stage where you will ask him anything? You oh, know? yeah. I have yeah. such a good relationship with my oncologist. Like I can text him. He gave me his mobile number and I can text him anytime and ask him anything like. Um, but that's kind of how I knew that something was up because he didn't text me with the scan results. He rang me and he'd never ring me with scan results. He'd always be like, yeah, you're all clear. You're fine. Don't worry. You know, enjoy your weekend or whatever. So, yeah, no, I have a really good relationship with him so I can ask him anything at all. Like, And of course, we're in the middle of pandemic and your yeah. treatment started again. Oh, yeah. So how was that? That was awful. Okay. Um, so my first bit of treatment was radiotherapy to my spine and my neck, um, which was fine because I was, you know, I knew what to expect and I was used to going it alone for radiotherapy. You can't bring anyone with you anyway. Um, but the hardest part for me was the surgery. Um, I had the half hip, hip replacement and just I was able to sneak my mom in for the kind of pre-op like where I was waiting to go down for surgery and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, what do you mean by sneak your mom in? I rang the nurse. Literally. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, is, can I please bring her, please? Because I said, I'm so nervous. Mm. And, you know, so she's like, do you know what? It's fine. You know, she can she can come with you. Um, but uh, it was I, I thought I was going home the, like two days later but because I had a bit of an episode after my surgery I fainted when they tried to get me out of bed so they wouldn't let me do my physio the next day so that extended my, my hospital stay so I was there for four nights and obviously like nobody was allowed in to visit and it was just really really hard like I cried nearly every day because I thought I was going home the next day and the next day and then every day I was getting disappointed so the yeah the hospital stay was definitely the hardest part for me you now being away from everybody like and you talked about this um for our series that's shown lines made embrace change and stay safe um, and at that time, it was really in the midst of yeah. COVID-19. And we were hearing lots about people maybe like sticking to restrictions, but not social distancing. Like, how do you feel about the whole thing as someone who is one of the vulnerable? Yeah, I mean, at the time of, you know, when we were in the middle of it, I wasn't classed as, as any more vulnerable than anybody mm. else. So, I mean, I did stick to the restrictions and that myself as well. But just seeing people blatantly flaunt them, like having house parties, you know, I'm hearing of people that are going on their holidays now, but they're going from Belfast so they don't have to self-isolate for two weeks after. I think it's so insulting to someone like me. And there's even more vulnerable than me. You know, I just think it's so insulting. They might not care about their own health. But what about me? And what about, you know, the 80 year old granny down the road yeah. that has, you know, heart issues or something like that? Like exactly. think about them people that you're putting at risk just so you can have a bit of sun. Like it's yeah. just... True. It's infuriating. I do think that when I wear a mask in a shop, I think, you know, sometimes when you see people looking at you, because it's not the norm yeah. anymore, I feel, but I'm doing this for other people. It's not yeah. me I'm doing this for. Um, 
We can hear now, you can hear tapping every so often and that's because Trina is still on crutches. Um, is that just as you start, to, as you're healing over the last few weeks? Yeah, yeah. so I um, could be on them for maybe six, they say six weeks to three months depending on, on how things are healing but I keep walking off without my crutches and all that. Because you're a really <laughs> active person, like yeah. you really love sport and stuff. Is yeah. that tough too? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I can't wait to get back. I'm like, oh, I'm just chomping at the bit. More so to get back to aerial hoop um, because I just started that when I what first got What is aerial say, hoop? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of all sorts here now. What is area? So it's hoop? a hoop that's suspended from the ceiling, and you're getting up into the hoop. Oh, is it that a... yoga thing? Is um, it kind of like no, that? No, it's like um, kind of oh, like acrobats almost, okay. like circus act almost. All but right. yeah, no, it's just a real empowering thing, and it just kind of made me feel really. Um, I suppose it just gave me like my sense of confidence back and everything after everything I'd gone through the last time. Um, when I joined this class, it just kind of gave me confidence and made me feel sexy again and just like really empowering, like it's all about empowering. So you've done the call out um, to get to 10,000 Instagrammers. We know once you have 10,000 people following you on Instagram, you can use swipe ups. Yeah. What What is your plan with that? And why did you want to get to 10,000? You, you've way surpassed that at this stage, oh, but yeah. tell us about that. Um, yeah, just so I could reach as many people as possible um, with my story, with just to raise awareness that it doesn't matter what age you are, what gender you are, how fit, how healthy cancer doesn't care mm. um, just be an advocate for your body check yourself know you're normal and the more you know whoever's looking at it might not have an issue but they could say oh I saw this on this girl's page maybe you should get that checked out it was just like a domino effect more that I wanted to kind of get and then like for the swipe up it was more so just to be able to share information say from the likes of the Irish Cancer Society or Breast Cancer Ireland Marie Keaton all of those kind of people who would put information out there I can do a direct link to them um, and just hopefully make a difference in somebody else's life so that they don't have to go through what I've gone through. Okay. Well, you've put up on some of your highlights, things that you'd like to do. It's Trina's Life List. Yeah. People can check them out there. You want to do lots of travelling, but at the moment you want to travel around the west of Ireland in a camper van, yeah. which is quite doable right now, now yeah. that we can travel to other counties. You want to climb the stairway to heaven in Fermanagh, yeah. which is a tough one. Yeah. Um, you want to do the Giant's Causeway, the rope bridge, all the bits around there. You want to go paddle boarding. You want to go glamping. You want to get married. No. <laughs> pressure on the boyfriend. I know, he'll be cracking now <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> and how is he with everything? Because is your relationship uh, newish? It was, yeah, it was quite new. Um, yeah, he's he's been brilliant. He's been a boyfriend, a carer, a shoulder to cry on because, you know, he's been there in the dead of the night when I've been crying in pain. He's been lifting me in and out of bed, like helping me get dressed. Not something that you should have to do in an early relationship, but I suppose that kind of just shows what kind of person he is like um, because I've given him the opportunity to leave and he hasn't, so... Mm. You know. And of course, we, we have to talk about your mum. She's been yeah. amazing throughout it all. Really yeah, has yeah, been. You, has. The soldier fighting with you. Yeah, she's yeah. been there the whole time. Like, um, And my sister, of course. And, and obviously my dad was there when we got him. We got the news the second time. And my son's out in the car there now. Wanting a shout out as well. So okay, <laughs> There you go. There's your shout out. What's his name? Corey. Corey. There yeah. you are, Corey. Listen, Trina, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been so lovely to talk to you again. You. I'm sorry it's in these circumstances. I thought we'd maybe talking to you next October saying that you were really heading towards year two of All Clear. But I have to say you're just a phenomenal person just to watch you in on Instagram and how you've embraced 
this new diagnosis with positivity and determination yeah. is phenomenal. If you want to give Trina a follow, she is Tree T R I Cleary on Instagram. You can help her reach twenty thousand followers at this stage. Again, it's Tree underscore Cleary on Instagram. Trina, thanks for so much for coming into the Sunday Grill this morning. Thank you very much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, if you are looking for a big change in your life, then the one and only Baz Ashmawi could be here to help. So far on his series Wingman, he has helped fulfil a farmer's dream to perform on stage, organise an ultimate lads road trip and much, much more. And now he's looking to guide more dreams for series two of Baz Ashmawi Wingman. And Baz is on the Sunday Grill this morning. Hiya. Hiya, how's it going? Good, how are you? For Jesus, I can't smile wide enough. Everything's great. <laughs> Tell me this. Yeah. Have you been to the hairdressers yet? <laughs> Do you want me to go? <laughs> there's, there's very divided opinions back there. Well, how are you feeling about the hair? Are you doing the man bun type thing? I, I was grown. I was actually grown for a part. I was supposed to be playing in something and okay. then COVID happened and that didn't happen. And then I kept growing it and sure now it's exactly what it is <laughs> so I think I'm due a cut very soon to be honest with you Was there um, any stage in the growing that you thought because I think men have a really um, strange relationship with their hair I've, I've seen so many people just take the razor to it because it actually growing out annoys them a certain amount Was there any stage where you thought I like this? No I liked it at the very start when I just started growing it and then you get to this middle stage. I have kind of, I'm half Egyptian, so I have very curly, Afro-y kind of hair. Mm. And it's just wild. Like, but there was a part of me going, God, maybe I could rock a big silver <laughs> Afro. Maybe that would be great. And then the reality is, maybe that's not great, actually. <laughs> maybe that's not the look I want. Um, so my, even in my house, the kids are very divided. Half of them want me to cuddle and the other half are in tears at my cuddle. So oh, there you we'll go. Yeah, we will yeah, wait and yeah, see. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Well, I was trying to think of a word to describe Wingman when I knew you were coming on this morning. And I, I think the word I have is heartwarming. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. It's funny, as I've gotten older, a lot of the shows I do, they tend to have the same ethos to mm. them, which is, I think it's ever since I did 50 Ways to Kill Your Mammy. Yeah. And I watched my mother achieve things that others and maybe in herself she thought impossible. And I watched her grow uh, and flourish and flower from it and I, I got addicted to it in a way and then I suppose there's so much negative stuff on TV and when you're a program maker or a documentary maker I kind of wanted to do stuff that someone would watch and feel inspired or feel motivated and 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 yeah so I ended up starting to do things like Wingman which is it's it's a real simple premise it's just the fact that there's loads of us out there who have said for years, God, I'd love to do something, whether it's give up smoking or climb a mountain mm. or or get on stage and do stand-up or whatever. Everyone has whatever it is in them. And I just, it's sometimes the people that know you best, they kind of know you too well. So they've seen you talk about this for so long that even they don't believe you anymore. Mm. And sometimes it takes just someone else. It takes a stranger. It takes uh, someone outside of that regular circle of people that you're with to kind of give you a budge and give you a motivation and, and kind of just takes one person to believe in you sometimes, you know? And isn't it a case, and I'm, I'm thinking of the farmer from series one, that 
I always think Jimmy, like, yeah. yeah, and I always think that when like when you're a kid, you're thrown into all these different types of hobbies. But as you get older, those opportunities just pass you by. You, you know, you're not going to hear of a 35 year old who suddenly decided to take up ballet. So there's something kind of unusual about per- people grabbing this new hobby by the horns, really. You see, it, it, you see I've learned myself, I self-analyze quite a lot. Okay. And I, I've learned myself over the years that it's when you compare yourself to other people mm. that you're in trouble, you know. It's, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody out there, only only who you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can... It, 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 the anticipation of doing something is always much worse than the actual doing. Do you get me? Yeah, totally. Like, you thinking about, oh, God, I'll go on a diet. Oh, jeez, I'm dreading it. And you're weak in. You're thinking, oh, this is awful. You know, that's a nonsense way to look at mm-hmm. it. You know, you just have to do day by day by day. And, you know, that it's a realistic a realistic uh, thing that you're you're aiming for, you know. Yeah, it's that um, real some, worry uh, being a lack of faith, isn't it? It, it, it? Fear is an awful wall mm. that sometimes people face it. And whether it's the fear of failing or the fear of just committing to doing it. Being or talked whatever about, it is, a but, real Irish thing. Exactly, mm. exactly. And then people just stop and they go, I won't do it. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking to me because i tell you one thing, I failed so much in my life really I failed so much more than I've ever succeeded but I've learned from everything that I failed at mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I have an ability where I'm like I'll throw my hand at anything I'll just give it a go and what's the worst that's come out of it you know what? what's the worst that can happen I, I tried something I failed at least I gave it a go don't you want to be that person mm-hmm. who just threw caution to the wind and just gave it a go you know Um, That's what we're thinking with series two of Wingman as well. Now, it's a little bit different in this series when you're looking for people because obviously you can't go abroad with everything that is happening. But is there anyone in particular that you'd love to get? Someone in a certain uh, lifestyle or someone who's in a certain time of their life? Have you got uh, someone you'd love to get? I'm really, really open. Like in my head, like, like you say, because of COVID, like usually... You know, you could take, you say there was an old, elder person, you mm. could take them on an adventure, Euro, Euro, um, doing the Eurostar, or, you know, t- taking them uh, backpacking around Europe or something, you know, something that they maybe didn't get the opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. Sadly, we're, we're limited to Ireland, which immediately I was a bit, I was like, oh, well, Jesus, what's your dream? Oh, well, as long as it's in Ireland, you're grand. And I was a bit down about that. But then I looked at it and you know, there's so much to do. Like, whatever it is, you want to learn to salsa. You want to do whatever you want. You want to surprise, make it the most romantic surprise uh, wedding proposal to the person you love. Whatever it is. I'm on. I'll do everything. (laughs) I'll use all my resources I have to, to help you fulfill what it is you need to do. I end up becoming very close to the people that I've done all these shows with because I spend so much time with them. And you're invested. I'm so invested. Like, I think I nearly cried at the end of all of them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Which is not a good look for a 44-year-old man. But but I, you just, you can't not care about people. And, okay. and seeing people achieve things, like you mentioned Jimmy earlier on. But Jimmy did the panto last year in Drogheda. I was so proud of them. And that's the thing, like, yeah. Cha- not just for the programme, but changing their life as they move on as well. 
because that's what it's about. Like, you might never go on to be the, a major salsa dancer, but maybe you'll become part of a salsa club, yeah. and maybe you'll make some new friends exactly, like that. And, get a and maybe it'll open it. up a new... Don't let people tell you what your limitations are mm-hmm. in yeah. life. Like, that's what I've learned. People told me all my life, I won't do that, and what could you do, and why would you be the one? And, you know, it's nonsense. Yeah, you true. know, it's that's all nonsense. Don't don't feel like that. And I think coming out of COVID and the pandemic and everything, I think there's a lot of us that have looked at our lives and just thought, oh God, maybe I need to look at my life and maybe I need to follow what it is that 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 I've always wanted to do, just for myself. You know, do you do these things for yourself? You know, and and feel better about yourself and feel proud of yourself. You know. Yeah, true. Well, you are the man who can help your uh, a casting team is doing a road trip around Ireland uh, shortly to meet people and hear about their dreams. You can check out your social media for dates and times and venues. But if you want to email uh, Baz and the crew um, getting involved in Wingman, if you know someone that you think would love to do something different, it is info at mahimedia.com. Baz, I would, yeah, go for it. I would kill for someone from Waterford or Tipperary or anywhere around there. Okay, good stuff. Let's do this. I would lo- that would just... I, I'm sick of dubs. I okay. don't want any dubs. But, you know, I just want some real people. And, <laughs> and and I don't care how crazy your thing is. You just throw it at us. Okay. And, and I'll, I'll see if I do it. You good know? stuff. You're Let's get to some people from the southeast. Thank you so much, Baz. We'll talk to you again soon. Talk to you soon. Take care. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, my next guest has been commissioned to write a bilingual children's story. Wexford writer Alison Martin wrote Fikra and the Biscuit Tin, a story that's partly inspired by her time working for a local paper in the southeast where she used to compile the results of the agricultural shows during the summer. And Alison Martin joins me this morning to tell me more. Oh, Alison, when I read what you based this story on, it brought back such memories. And I had said it in work here in the broadcast centre about going to agricultural shows with my dad and these biscuit tins, they were the top part of the biscuit tin, aren't they usually? And they've put an oasis into it and they make a garden out of it and it's part of a competition, isn't it? Yeah, and like the, the first time when I was compiling the results and, you know, I was going through like, you know, the sheep, winners and everything and then I, then when I saw best garden in a biscuit tin competition <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it you know I was really intrigued and then when I was asking the guys about it they were telling me and then I suppose over the years I took more of an interest and I've been researching them and um, it's just it's amazing how how beautiful and intricate like these little mini gardens are and uh they require, because they're so small, they require a huge deal of imagination. Oh, totally. You know? And one that really sticks out in my mind from being a kid, I think it was at the Tullow show or something like that, that my, that we saw as a family, was someone had made a full-on miniature Japanese garden out of the inside of the top of a biscuit tin, some green oasis, and just got really artistic with it then. Brilliant. Yeah, there's, like, there's some... The sky's the limit, really, if you have a good imagination. You know, you just have to you just have to scale it down an awful lot. But, um, yeah. yeah, I hope that's one of those kind of agricultural show traditions that never dies. I want to see those forevermore. And it really has been your inspiration for Fiacra and the Biscuit Tin, which is a bilingual story that has been recorded and that we can hear online. Tell us a little bit about it. Yes, well, the, the story came about because Super, Super Power Theatre Company had... Um, call out for ideas 
sort of in response to, to lockdown and that, and uh, they, they wanted to see what creative work could come out of it. So um, I started thinking then what what type of story would lend itself to audio. And I love Irish, and but I, I haven't written in Irish, uh, you know, creatively. Mm, are you so fluent in Irish? No, I'm not fluent, okay. but I'm 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 doing a part-time course uh, with Gael culture in you know Crinis the Gaelic, you know, accuracy in written Irish. Okay. So um, I just thought that you know the musicality of Irish would sound great on audio, and because it was a, a children's story as well, that I just I really liked the idea of the English and the Irish and. I suppose the agricultural show lends itself to audio because nice. they're so full of colour and sound and just full of life, you know. So, um, yeah, so the story is about a little boy called Fikra who has a very close relationship with his nan and her sort of arch rival, as they say, is a woman called Petronella Hastings. And okay. she has, yeah, she has won the, the best garden in a biscuit tin competition um, for the past couple of years, but always by underhanded means. Okay. So, so this year, um, Nan is buying for the trophy, but unfortunately, she becomes ill. So, Fikra, um, it's his mission then to uh, to claim the prize for his Nan and and for himself and to beat. Petronella Hastings Fair and Square. So that's it in a, okay. in a nutshell. Sounds great. So this has now been made into an audio piece. That's right. It's going to be online um, and, you know, it's available on Spotify and um, people can listen. It's a, sh- it's a short piece. Um, and the, the producer is Heather Rose and uh, <clears throat> Mark Ball is involved as well. And uh, Shan Nivari was the, the editor on the piece. So a lot of work put into this. It's not just someone reading the story. There's music composition. And as you said, there's lots of colour. So it's a, a very well produced piece. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it, it's a real team effort. So I'm looking forward to I haven't actually heard it yet. So, um, you know, what, what, once I wrote the story, I, I passed it on um, and I did some, you know, rewrites following the, the, the feedback. But um yeah, I haven't heard it with with the, the sound effects and everything and, and the actor, so I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing it. Great, brilliant. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing it as well. And people can hear it uh, on this website. It's also available on Spotify. What should people search for on Spotify, do you think, if they want to hear it? Oh, Super, super Power. So it's uh, Super, S-U-P-U-R, and then P-A-U-A and stories okay. so super power stories there's actually a series of stories Brilliant. and they've co- they've come at a great time you know because obviously you know children don't have to they haven't been going to school as normal and um you know there's there's some really interesting pieces that people can can dip into Good stuff. Well, as you said, if you search for Superpower uh, Stories on Spotify and the website as well is Superpower. And again, that is super, P-A-U-A dot podbeam dot com is the website. And Alison will watch out for your story about Fiacra and the Biscuit Tin. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning. Thank you, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, my next guest is a stutterer. He's many other things, of course, but for now and for reasons he's going to explain, Jake Sullivan Sheehy, a Washford student, is defining himself as a stutterer. And Jake is here this morning. You're very welcome. Oh, like, 
Like, how are you, Aura? I'm very good, thank you. I suppose many people think that stuttering and radio probably don't go sure. hand in hand because it's all about speech. But that was one of the reasons that you've to start, yeah. decided to start up a podcast. Can you tell me and take your time um, about your stutter and your memories, maybe your first memories yeah. of having a stutter? Um, so I have had like a stutter in like for all my life. I mean, like, I like my two, I like my two parents about and like stutter. They're both stutterers. Yeah. Okay. And so, so my case is one hundred percent um, a genetic, and, and like and so that is like, like I really like a rare and like to have and like your two parents and like that. And have you siblings? Stutter. Yeah. And are they stutterers? No, no, no. Okay, so you're the only stutterer in your family. Yeah, so I was like the like a lucky one. The unlucky one. Would you rather not have a stutter? So, yeah, and like of course, I like in like my childhood, I like a kind of like affected to me, I like and worse now, but like, and now like as the years it went on, and like it isn't like hasn't been and like and that bad, I like of like experience. How does it affect you? Are there certain words that you find difficult? I see when you're trying to get a word out, it affects your physicality yeah. as well. You 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 move in a different way to get a word out. Is that helping? Yeah, like it is, and it's not, but like it's some. Thing that like I I shouldn't really be doing. Oh really? No, okay. not really. Okay. So are there certain words that you find difficult? Yeah, it's not like like a certain word, and um, and um, but like there might be like 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 say like if I'm doing like a presentation like in college or something like that there might be just like in one word, and that like I might be like stuck on. Okay. So. And is it quite annoying if someone tries to finish your sentence yeah. then? Is that really irritating? Yeah, it is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you'd rather if you just kept, yeah. someone let you keep talking. Has it created a certain personality for you? Does it mean that you have to, you know, be very brave when you were growing up and stuff like that? Yeah, I suppose when, like, I was growing up, like, I was known as, like, the quiet guy that had, like, a... St- st- like, the quiet guy that had, like, a stutter. And by now, like, as years went on... Like, and now, like, I'm known as the guy that found his voice and is using it on, like, a podcast and, like, to help other, and, like, stutterers. Do you know what their stutter is, apart from your parents? Um, Not personally, no. Oh, you don't? No. Okay. So it's quite an unusual thing. Yeah. Yeah. And does that mean that in you're in college at the moment? Yeah. What are you studying in college? I'm studying a marketing. Is it tough then to be a, stud- a stutterer in a situation like you say when you do have to give presentations? Like to be honest, like I don't really mind and like I don't mind really like mind and like presentations like in college really and like they're okay like they're not like too bad. And are there any challenges as a third level student and having a stutter? I suppose the only reason reasons that it's bad is like I never really used to put up like my hand for like for like a question like in college. And which is something and I like I'm trying my best and like to do more. And uh, so instead of putting up your hand, you just went a little bit further and decided to start a podcast. Yeah, Tell us exactly. about that. Why did you decide to do this? Yeah, so I decided to use uh, my like a podcast and like as an and, like as a way like to help me and like and where like my stutter and like in using it as like a way like to help other and like and, like, and, like stutters. And you've been talking to other stutterers and people who are yes. experts in that field yeah. during this podcast as well. Has it helped you in any way? Oh, yeah. In what way has it helped you? I, 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 yeah, like I was interviewing a guy that works for the American Institute of Stuttering like last week, and like he was teaching me um, some sort of like 
like techniques and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then, and then like, and then like last week again, I was interviewing a guy that I used to work and for, and he used to work for and like, and like Tony Blair. Okay. And like, and he used to have, have like a really bad and like stutter and like as, and like as like the years went on, and like it isn't, and like it isn't like um, and like as half as bad. And did you notice that that he yeah. had quite? And do you find as you get older that your stutter is getting better? And so I suppose like my stutter is kind of like hit and miss. Like it is kind of like it can be like I like a really good like a one day and then like a really bad like and the next day. So like it's kind of like a hit and miss kind of thing. What's that about? I wonder. Is it a stress thing or I lack of sleep or stress at all? Really, but I know like as again like it might be just like as you say, like again like it might be like a word that like I got stuck on and which. Which may like, which may make like the whole kind of like a situation like worse. Oh, that's interesting. So if there's a word that you could get stuck on, it could ruin your whole yeah. day. Okay. Exactly. All right. Um, how have people reacted to your podcast? Yeah, I suppose like it's all been like positive, really. Okay. Like there's friends that I haven't like talked to like in years, and I like are reaching out to say like I'm oh, well done and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Mm. Yes, great um, it's called Stutter Speaks if you want to check it out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify it's probably the best way to find it um, is this something that you're going to keep going with or are you going to do it in seasons do a few of them you know I suppose like I'm using it as kind of like like I'm using it to kind of like normalise like stuttering mm. like there's going to be an episode I'm out like every every like Wednesday okay and so like and so yeah, like I'm using it. I like to, I like to do it. Okay. Well done. Yeah. Looking Thanks forward so to. I've listened to bits of it, and yeah. it is very, very interesting. Um, and I suppose it's another factor of some people's lives that exactly. we don't understand. Are there any challenges in the outside world for you? Like, is there something that you, you just don't like going to as someone who has a stutter? I suppose, like, say, for I'm mistaken, say like a, say like an, say, say like in like a Tesco. Okay. And say for I'm mistaken, I can't like. I find like something I don't really like going up to like and then asking like a question okay um, um, but it is like something that like I'm trying to, to like work on and is there anything then as us the general public if we were to be approached by a stutter or someone in our lives is, is there anything that you'd like us to know or any way we could help pose something that and I know people think that and like it helps is like say like if you tell us tell a stutter or take their time or like take a breath like it's probably um, it is probably like and the worst thing like you can like say to a person and that, and that like and like stutters so you don't want people to say take your time no okay no. so just sit and listen don't say don't give the little oh go on your grand yeah, exactly, kind yeah. of things great exactly. and how are your parents have their stutter got better as the years go on do you find or? yeah like and they're not as bad as me but I'm like my mum works like an office and so she needs to talk and like that I phone like every day, mm. so like I say, and, and I like, and so like I say, like, and that helped her. I like a lot. Okay, good stuff. Uh, really interesting, and your podcast is really interesting as well. So well done. Uh, Stutterer speaks is the podcast. If you want to check out, it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Jake, thanks so much for coming in this I, morning. I, I like, and thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, the Summer Stars, the annual reading adventure run by libraries all over Ireland has begun again. This year, of course, it's all a bit different. And to tell us what Wexford Library are doing, Teresa Kelly, the librarian for children and young people at Wexford Library Services, is on the phone. Hiya, Teresa. 
Hiya, Orla, and thank you very much for having me on today to talk to everybody about Summer Stars. It's very good to talk to you. And I know we're all growing a little bit tired of these regular events having to be a bit different. But there's nothing else we can do about it. But I have to say, from looking at the website, Wexford Public Library Service really have worked hard to combine a, a personal and an online service. Oh, well, thank you very, very much for saying that, Orla. It's really appreciated. Yeah, we've we've worked very hard and we've put a lot of thought into it um, to make Summer Stars 2020 as engaging as we possibly can for everybody. So um, uh, maybe people mightn't have heard of Summer Stars, uh, but it's the National Reading Programme for Children and it takes place in libraries all over the country and online uh, from now until the end of August. And Summer Stars is completely free and it's open to children everywhere, all children. And how would it have worked usually? Is it a case, is it almost like a -a read-a-thon from back when I was in primary school? Is that how it works? It it would be very, very similar to a -a read-a-thon, Orly. What you do is you kind of, you sign up for it and then you kind of take a record of the books that you'd read. Um, Now for the read-a-thon, I think it, uh, it was raising money, wasn't it, for MS? Yes, I think so, yeah. But, um, with Summer Stars, what it is, is um, just to keep children reading over the summer holidays um, or the summer break from school, uh, because it's been shown time and time again that even the smallest amount of reading, if you carry on over the summer holidays, it makes such a difference when you go back to school in September. Even 10 minutes, mm. that's all it takes. 10 minutes. And I had a look at some... That of the list of books. I suppose thinking that I would see all the Roald Dahls and stuff like that that I read when I was a kid. But the list, like, and it's different sections, so it's four to seven or 10 to 12, age groups like that. The list is so eclectic. There's so many books out there. I suppose we hear a lot about the young adult series, but there's so many books for kids of all different ages now. It's fantastic, isn't it, Orla? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. But the Roald Dahl ones are still there. Um, The Roald Dahls and... uh, the Edith Blyton, the classics, yeah, I mean, they're still so popular. But we've got um, we've got all the latest ones as well. We'd have, um, you know, the uh, we'd have the David Walliams. Course, we'd yeah. have um, we'd have the Wimpy Kid. We'd have the Dork Diaries. We'd have all the Harry Potter series, and then we'd have uh, for younger children, we'd have Horrid Henry, uh, Winnie the Witch, picture books for younger children, um, all the classics and all the new ones as well. Okay, so how does this so work? Hopefully well, how it works um, is what you do, uh, very, very simple, Orla. All you do is phone your local library and the details uh, and phone numbers for all your local libraries are to be found at www.wexfordcoco.ie forward slash libraries. Okay. Uh, find out the phone number, ring them up, and what they'll do is they'll take your details over the phone, they'll register you for the summer stars, and then... All you have to do is call into your library uh, and you can collect your books. They'll have activity sheets for you and they'll have a Summer Stars card and you'll be able to use that to record the book or the books that you read. And this year we're going to be offering something a bit special. Um, If you like, what you can do is you can choose to collect a mystery bag Mm -hmm. of fantastic books from your local library and this book, this bag is going to have books, uh, fiction, non-fiction. So you'll have all of the all of the books that we were talking about earlier, 
that um, because it's a mystery bag, you're going to have something else as well. So you could have something on science experiments. Mm-hmm. You could have horrible histories. You could have a cookbook, maybe. Uh, you could have a book about countries. Um, they're all going to be geared towards your age as well. So whatever age you are, um, if you're six years old, um, the books are going to be suitable for you. Um, if you're eight years old, there'll be something that will be geared towards your interests and your reading age. Okay. Um, it'll all be very carefully done. Brilliant. Um, summerstars.ie is the website if you want to look for at the reading list. As you said, it's countrywide. So even if you're in Tipperary or Waterford, your library services will be taking part as well. So the best thing to do is look at the social media for your libraries. Before I let you go, Teresa, can we just chat about your Parenting Today 2020 talks? Um, I'm sure some parents will be interested in the one that you're holding. It is with Dr. Rebecca Long. Tell us a little bit about this. Oh. Thank you, Orla. Um, well, uh, just a little bit of background. Um, uh, every year, Wexford Public Library Service and SIPSI work together uh, to deliver Parenting Today, and it's an annual program of free talks for parents and carers throughout Wexford. And we have a series of them, and uh, this year we're putting uh, as many as we possibly can online. And the next one we have scheduled is going to arrive online on Thursday the 16th of July at 8pm and it'll be available on Wexford YouTube channel and all Wexford Library Facebook pages. And it's going to tie in really well with Summer Reading Challenge because it's going to be called Literacy for Little Learners. And Rebecca, um, who works for Children with Books Ireland and uh, in Trinity College Dublin, is going to talk to parents everywhere about the benefits of reading. She's going to give information about reading-based games and activities, how you can support younger readers, and tips for encouraging reluctant readers as well. And she's going to have lots of suggested books. We're going to have a question and answer session. And uh, like you were saying earlier, Orla, um, questions uh, can be submitted to librarynhq at wexfordcoco.ie. All the details will be online. And uh, just submit them by Friday the 10th of July and Rebecca will answer them. Brilliant. So it is actually the 10th of July by 5 o'clock on Friday is when you should get your questions in. But the event is actually on the 16th of July. And as we said, that is from Wexford Library Services. So you can check that out on your social media. It's Parenting Today 2020 Talks Literacy for Little Learners. And as we said, Summer Stars, which is running all summer. And that's summerstars.ie. Teresa, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. Thank you so much. Or look, um, just if people don't have a library card there's no problem at all all you have to do is just go onto our website sign up for free and you'll be good to go we'll be by the phones we'll be waiting for your call and we're really looking forward to seeing everybody brilliant Teresa thank you so much and we'll talk to you again soon thank you Orla very much on beat 102-103 probably one of the first major events of 2021 to go virtual thanks to COVID-19 is the BT Young Scientists and Technology Exhibition it's the first time in its 56 year history that the event will not be held in a physical setting students will now be exhibiting virtually and judging will take place across digital platforms the woman behind all the organising is Wexford residents Mari Cahalan and she is the head of the BT Young Scientists she's here to tell us more hi Mari Hi Orla, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I have to say, this must have been a massive decision because we hear about shops closing, um, events in the summer, but this is so far ahead and such a part of the fabric of Ireland. It, it must have taken a lot to make this decision. Yeah, look, we spent probably since March looking at things, tracking things to see how things were going. And with, and with the uncertainty around the schools, definitely up to the, the closure for the summer holidays and everything else, we sort of felt that 
um, it wouldn't be fair for us to look at putting on the public exhibition. And we may not get a license because we, we welcome 50,000 visitors every year. So mass gatherings and, and everything else around that. So then we looked at different scenarios to see what would suit best. And we know that the students, because people aren't getting out and about as much as they can, they're probably bored at home and all the rest. So we just wanted to sort of say, look, it's going ahead. We never thought um, that we would cancel. And that was one thing that we made decision day one, mm. that it was going ahead in some guys. But it gives certainty to people, gives certainty to the students that we want involved that, look, it is happening. It's going to happen virtually. Entries are open. So get on and start thinking about your projects. So lockdown happened, what, about 10 weeks after the Young Scientist exhibition of 2020. So uh-huh. you had a lot of time to think about 2021. But as you said, it's 50,000 people going to the RDS to see this exhibition. Was there ever an inkling that you might be able to do this? I think in the early days, um, because the lockdown was coming, nobody knew, as I said, we were tracking what was going on, watching, of course, what HSE and government were saying, um, health and safety of, of everybody that would potentially come and visit or take part in the exhibition was always top of mind. So we looked at it in that guise. And when things weren't getting any better and as the crisis actually deepened and worsened, um, and no sight of a vaccine. We just sort of said, look, we have to look at this. We have to be practical about it. Um, and that's, that's what we said. Look, at the end of the day, BP is a, a technology company. Um, so this, this is in our DNA. So it's something, it'll be a challenge. I'm not going to, to lie because it is such a massive undertaking to put everything virtually. Um, but we just said, look, let's go for it, see what we can do. Um, had the backing of the charitable trust that we run young scientists on behalf of um, and I must say the the messages of goodwill I spent a lot of time yesterday on email letting sort of the judges know what we were doing letting our partners know letting media know what we were doing and the messages of goodwill have been absolutely fantastic and everybody's just thrilled it's going ahead yes because I think as I said January to me is the young scientist I've never taken part in it but it is young scientist month it's it's what I expect to see in the newspaper every year it is a fabric of our Irish society yeah absolutely and it, it's something that I, personally I'm delighted to be involved in now for, for 20 years um, and I know all my colleagues in BT we've been doing it for 20 years as well are, are so delighted about but it, it is that it's I've heard so many people that have been sort of sceptical about it or have been partners for the first time or taken part for the first time going, mm. mm, don't know what it's going to be like, like, is it all that? And they say they walk through the doors of the, the venue and they go, oh my good God, can we bottle this? Wow. Can we take it home? It's really uplifting. So, so my task and, and the team's task now is to, how do we do that and replicate it online yeah, and bottle virtually? Yeah, online. Like one yeah, massive, so, one huge Zoom table quiz, Mary. <laughs> well, we will. And that is one of the things that we will be doing with the students that are taking part. We always do a table quiz. Okay. So we're going to, we, we're more than likely are going to do it. Like we'll do it on, on something like Microsoft Teams or Zoom or we're looking at platforms. What we're looking at is the most secure platforms for the students from a child protection point of view, from a GDPR point of view. So we're ticking all those boxes okay. as well as we go along. So there's so many checklists that I'm coming up with. Um, but what we want to do is we want to replicate the BT Young Science Technology Exhibition okay. virtually. So everything people would have seen when they came to the RDS, like the Primary Science Fair, 
that's yeah. going to take place. Mm. The, the stands that our exhibitors put together, they're going to they're going to be there, but they're just going to be virtual. And work out how we'll do that to make them shine. The student project is going to be there. People won't be able to get to talk to the students, but we're hoping that they'll record videos for us okay. and we'll be able to show those in, in the general public. Brilliant. And we'll also be doing our special acts. So okay. people will get to see science in action. Great. So, so it really is a, a very balanced mix between appealing to an audience, but also ensuring that the students get to exhibit as they would have. Yeah. And, and look, the fundamentals of it, it, the most important part of the exhibition is the students' participation and that journey through the students' participation and everything else we've built around that, like the, the science festival, like the primary science fair, all of that is is brilliant that we can do that as well. But we need to get the core of it right, that the experience is right for the people. The one great thing about it, Orla, as well, is how many people outside Ireland are finally yeah, going to see it. Exactly. And I've heard that with a lot of festivals that I've talked to over the last four months, even some of their speakers, you know, that they wouldn't be able to pay for to fly over or wouldn't have been available in Ireland, now suddenly are available. So there are some advantages. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's sort of limited possibilities. So we'll get to a point that we'll have to start pulling back and saying, right, this is it. This is how we're setting out our stall. Um, And the first step on that journey was to launch virtually. Um, And it was great to have the the backing of the Department of Education and the new minister, uh, Norma Foley, with that and and, and so many of our other partners as well. And I think it's had quite a positive reaction, but I suppose people were quite shocked to hear that an event that is obviously a huge event, but a 2021 event has had to go virtual. Uh, Did you find that was people's most reaction, a little bit of shock? I think it was. I think it was well, probably shocked, then welcomed, Mm. and then it was sort of like, what else could you have done? Um, Like the ploughing went probably three or four weeks ago. That's a September event, Mm -hmm. the biggest event in Ireland, but it's outdoor. It was ours because it's indoor um, and it's so dependent on on the experience. Like we looked at maybe bringing just the students themselves into um, a venue and judging them. Mm. But then we sort of said, right, what happens if this second wave that everybody's talking about mm-hmm. happens? Then we'd probably end up having to cancel the whole event. Yeah, so decisions or are made. the experience probably isn't there other than the students getting to meet each other. And that would be the only part and meeting the judges face to face. But how could you judge if you've got three people on a group and they're all, say it's a metre apart even then, and then you've got a judge questioning them about their project from a metre yeah. away. Yeah. It just it just didn't work. Yeah, uh, but if, if they're on a call, they can look, they can show their project, they can talk about their project as if they were it in the RDS. Okay, good stuff. Well, we'll keep an eye out on the BT Young Scientists and Technology exhibition website to see what you're doing over the coming months. You have much, much organising to do this year, so I'll let you go to do that. Mari, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. Thanks, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Very young Donald Donahue is on the phone to round off our Sunday Grill for this week. How are you? Hey, Ola, how are you doing? Very good. Hey, I was thinking about lockdown and what we've been going through over the last four months and I've realised my television viewing has really changed. That, oh. Well, I have so. some really guilty pleasures that I don't think if I was busy or wasn't in the house as much, I'd even bother with. Like, I have set my DVR. ITV are re-showing The Only Way is Essex from the start and I am okay. completely sucked into okay. it. Are you? I mean, wow. I'm only at 2015 at the moment. I don't think they've even discovered Instagram yet in Dowie. 
I'm so sucked in. Have you any guilty pleasures? Not a, not on TV, no. <laughs> Nothing can see on national radio. <laughs> boom, boom. Boom, boom. Um, no, actually, I haven't watched... Uh, no, I haven't, actually. I've just basically watched stuff for, for review purposes and stuff like so, kind of, yeah. Yeah. I've watched any of those shows. Mm. Yeah. I think I just like a little bit of light relief. All yes. they do is fight about each other, and I yes. love it. 30 yes. minutes of just watching people fighting <laughs> from back in 2015. But look... Let's talk. Um, and let's talk Socially Distant. It's a comedy that comes from RT1 and it's on tonight at 10.35pm. This is actually unique insofar as it was made during the lockdown. Okay. It was shot with all the lockdown rules. Um, it was um, written and directed by a chap called James Cotter, who was the guy behind Republic of Telly and Callum's Kicks. Um, basically what he did was he got a bunch of actors. Uh, they all, all basically, what they did was they all did their own parts. They acted, did their own wardrobe, they directed themselves. And then it was kind of, it's like a Zoom comedy, I hard to imagine this. Okay. So it's like a comedy, all people socially interacting on Zoom. Um, the central character is played by um, Dermot Whelan. Oh, great, uh, I spoke okay. to Dermot, Dermot, Dermot from Dermot and Dave. Uh, I spoke to Dermot last week. Of course, he was on Republic of Telly as well back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so he basically plays this chap who is trying to get all his cousins, relations, brothers, his siblings together to celebrate Auntie Breed's birthday. Okay. Right? That's the initial thing. Uh, she rings up and suddenly then, suddenly the pandemic strikes and suddenly, oh my God, what's going to do? So they have to make arrangements how they're going to celebrate Auntie Breed's uh, birthday that way. Um, Demery was telling me he actually shot this himself <laughs> walking around the streets of Dublin with a selfie stick. So he basically was talking to himself because he don't direct her, no crew. So be, this woman came out of a, a house and said, Demery, are you, uh, not Demery, are you okay? She thought he was like, this guy's going mad, you know? And then he also had his wardrobe in a bag beside him. So while he was filming himself, he had to keep an eye because some people tried to rob his bag oh, with no. his clothes in it while he was doing it as well. So is so, this a one-off or is it a series? It's a one-off. It's okay. a one-off thing. It's a one-off socially distant thing. It's got, it got you know, Oliver Callan in his inner world playing oh, four different good. characters at least. Least at four count anyway, um, so and also you have uh, Eric Lawler um, who uh, recreates Temple Bar uh, nightclub scene with uh, the use of a kind of a glitter ball by himself. Because <laughs> <laughs> you imagine these people are actually in their homes. This is like April, the shot in April, so okay. obviously they couldn't go anywhere, so they had to either use everything that was local to them. Um, Oliver Callum telling me he had to find some disused house near where he was living or shed with scaffolding in the background and some toilet paper and masking tape as oh, props. Wow. Don't okay. ask me why. So it's kind of bizarre, the whole idea behind I like how the they idea to shoot it. it. Okay, I'll definitely check that out. It's on tonight, so no uh, amount of time to wait. It's 10.35pm on RT1. It's called Socially Distant if you want to check it out. And on Tuesday on RT2, it's Yellowstone at 9.30pm. No clue what this is. Well, Yellowstone, well, maybe just doing the title. Uh, Yellowstone National Park, obviously, but it, this is a... Oh, it's a documentary, okay. No, no, it's a drama. It's ah. Kevin Costner. It's okay. Kevin Costner. I actually, actually oh. you know, until I read about it, it's coming to RT, but it's actually in season four in the US because it's obviously hugely popular. It's a Western with, believe it or not, Kevin Costner in it. But sure, uh, Kevin, Kevin Costner dancing at wolves. Dancing with wolves, yeah. dancing with uh, whatever. In this, uh, dancing with cows in this thing because he plays a rancher called John Dutton and he runs the biggest spread in the US, the biggest ranch in the US and he's a patriarchal figure. And the interesting thing about this is written, is written and directed by a guy called Taylor Sheridan mm. who you might have known from, I don't know if you saw movies, movies like Hell or High Water, uh, Sicario, Wind River, this guy did all this. Anyway, those okay. three movies are very, very good. If you haven't seen them, go and see them. Okay. But he, he's the guy behind this. And it follows the fortunes of the Dutton family, uh, head, head man, uh, Kevin Costner. And the cast includes people like Wes Bentley, Danny Houston, Cole Hauser. And it's getting really, really good reviews in the US. And it's kind of like a 
family have to contend with things like local politicians, the aisle men, the national parks. Okay, the kind of, I like kind of, these sort of dramas. You know, I, it's I, a big family drama. Yeah, basically, that's exactly because you get a bit sick of cows. the who done and stuff. Just exactly. a nice, you know, not much happens type family drama. Beautiful scenery, like. all shot on location, Montana. Okay, national national park. Got going, Kevin definitely going to give this one a go as well. You're on a roll this week, Tuesday or two, Yellowstone nine thirty. Then on Thursday is a show that I've actually seen before, and if you haven't seen National Treasure before, uh, have a look at this one it's just I it, it kind of blew me away a little bit and not in a good way it's quite uncomfortable viewing it's uh, starring Robbie Coltrane it's called National Treasure it's been re-shown on Channel 4 at 9pm do you think uncomfortable is a good way to describe it's it? It's yeah mm. I mean in a way actually um uh, Jack Thorne wrote it, didn't he? It's a four-part drama. It uh-huh. was originally shown back in 2016. Got a lot of buzz at the time, actually, because even though it's a fictional drama, it's, it's you can see where it's modelled on. It's kind of uh, the stories of Jimmy Savile, the U3 operation in the UK, um, the abuse cases. Uh, mm. That's the model. And it opens, you've seen it, actually. I mean, the two central performances are superb. Uh, um, you mentioned uh, Robert Coltrane, who plays a chap called Paul Finchley. Mm-hmm. And he's the national treasure of the title. And uh, it opens with a scene where he's getting this Lifetime Achievement Award. He's a, he's a comedian, and he's, getting, he's probably past his peak. He's well past his peak in some respects. But he's getting this Lifetime Achievement Award. But within 24 hours, all these um, historical cases of sexual abuse are, are, are charges are pressed against him. And this about was kind of made in this. the midst of Operation Newtree and stuff yes, like that. Yes, Operation Newtree, yeah. right, it was mm. coming. I mean, you can see where, where it's coming from. Um, and his wife has played another another great performance, and this is actually Julia Walters who plays his wife, who's yes, kind of, like, like, like the viewers actually wondering, did he, did, he, did he actually do that or did he not? Mm. And you kept guessing. I mean, I don't know about you, Laura, but I actually didn't know one way or the other no, until, until really the very end. I mean, won't say the very end. Is, and then there's a side story guessing. about her, his daughter as well. I mean, That's it, right, it, who played by Andrea Riseborough, who's very good as well, actually. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And you, go, you kept you getting to the end. Mm. If you haven't seen it, it's Definitely. definitely worth seeing. Now, you said it's uncomfortable viewing, and yes, it's kind of, it is a bit uncomfortable in some ways, but it's, it's just what happened in some respects. It's a fictional kind of take on what actually yeah. happened. Yeah. And you're wondering, do you, and what I find interesting is, do you actually do you believe this guy or do you not believe this guy? And you can easily see how he could be how it could go either way, you know? Yeah. That's true. the interesting thing about it. It is called National Treasure. It's on 9pm on Channel 4 on Thursday. Yellowstone then is on Tuesday at RTE 2 at 9.30pm and socially distant tonight, 10.35pm. Going to check that one out on RTE 1. Donald, thank you very much. Sorry, no Essex in there. I know. I promise I'll have something like that next but week. But you know Definitely. what? All you have to do is go through all the schedules and hit your DVR for as much reality as you can and then you can be in my gang. Okay? Okay, thank you. Good oh, stuff. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> the Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.